morning to start out, I, uh, I, need, I need your help. Uh, yesterday we met as men uh, up here for breakfast, and I challenged our men to be the men that God called them to be. So if you are a man in this room, I just need you to be like, I'm here this morning, so guys, I, I need your help. So let's start off like this. If you're one of my men in the room this morning, I just want you to go, oh. Okay, wait. We, we established yesterday. I, I know there's women in the room. I get that, and I know that we're at church, and that you're not supposed to say anything when you walk in the door, just in case you say something wrong, right? But in this moment, I'm asking you to be the men that you're called to be, and give me one of those grunts on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. And, ooh. Was there a lady in that? I kind of think there was. A, that's okay. Come to the altar later. We'll have a conversation. Anyways, man, I'm so glad y'all are here because we talked yesterday that as men, God called us to lead, to be here, to come to worship, to be excited, to be ready to worship a God who loves us. And that's all part of being on duty, the series that we're in this morning. And I wanted to start this morning with you just talking about a few things that I brought up with me. Um, if you read the Connection Guide this morning, you saw a letter from Brian where he talks about the journey that God's put him on, but he's a part of my story today. Um, one of the things I keep in my office by my light switch is a cross that Brian brought me as a tech logo. This is one of the first few things that Brian ever bought me. I, I keep it next to my light switch so that I remember to pray for him all the time. You may not know that, but that's why it stays there. Um, it was significant to me. It may be insignificant to you. Maybe like two things. One, never combine Jesus with Texas Tech. And I will tell you that Jesus loves Texas Tech. Um, he just doesn't love for them to win. Anyways, um, <laughs> count it how you want. That's the true story. Anyways, um, but I, I keep it there as a reminder to me uh, to be constantly praying. And it's significant to me. When I was growing up, uh, my dad in part of our house had this piece of Dallas Cowboy memorabilia. And it came out of the old Dallas Cowboy Stadium. From 1971 to 1980, they used a thing called tartan turf. Now, tartan turf was unique. Um, it it kind of has a, a weird gooey bottom and then the turf top. Um, they changed the field because it it literally hurt the ankles of the players. Um, but we have a box of it. And at my house growing up, I always saw this. I always opened it up and, and looked at it because I thought, man, who knows if this came out of an end zone where someone scored a winning touchdown? Who, who knows what happened? And later in life, I realized those men spit on the field. You have, but he has some hand sanitizer. Um, but I always wanted that. I always wanted to have it as mine. And so as I got older, my dad was like, I don't care about that. You can have it. And I cherish it. It's in my office as well, sitting in a corner of my office. I always get to see it. It, it reminds me of growing up. It reminds me of my dad. My grandfather passed away. My mom's dad passed away uh, a little over a year ago. And uh, it was surprising to us. We we didn't expect it. Um, and so when it happened, it kind of sent a shockwave through our family. Now, the weeks after my grandfather's passing, they began to kind of go through the household and the 
the three kids, my mom included, and a brother and a sister, went through and they got the stuff they wanted. And then my cousins came in, and they took everything that they wanted. April and I, we kind of stayed out of it. We, we didn't want to be a part of the, uh, the vulturing, if you will. And we stayed out, and finally we came for the funeral, and we stayed at their house. And so while we were there, you know, my uncle asked me, what are you going to take for, for you? And we began to look around the house, and there was a, a few things that we really thought were sentimental and valuable. But one of the things that was still there were Bibles, Bibles from my family. And one of those was from my great-grandfather on my grandmother's side. And this Bible is worn. It's tattered. It's got how to lead people to Christ in it. And, you know, different sermons that were written, you know, that he'd keep a note from a revival luncheon. Uh, he wrote some notes about uh, sharing Christ and how to know that Jesus is real. And I love how the pages are worn. I mean, my great-grandfather used this Bible. And it sits in my office and it reminds me to use mine. That one day, I hope the pages of my Bible start to come out because I've used it so richly. You know, I, I set all this up to talk about what you have today. For this series, we've been talking about being on duty and being ready and being prepared. And we talked the last two weeks about when you're on duty, you're always called to reach out to your neighbors, to your coworkers. And today I want to tell you something that I hope that you'll hear from my heart. Today you have what it takes. Today you have been invested in enough to be on duty. You have what it takes. I heard someone say the other day, Brother Kyle, I would have been in ministry, but I just didn't think I had what it takes. And let me just tell you what it takes to be available. There's not a minister alive today that deserves to be a minister. Not one. Not one of us deserves to stand in pulpits and preach the Word of God to any of you. I mean, I can guarantee you today, Hoppy, who is sitting right back there, has more Bible knowledge than I will ever have. Man, there's people in this room that have a heart for things that I will never possess. You have what it takes. And so I posted on Facebook yesterday, when's the last time you came to church and you left encouraged? So that's what I want to give you today. I want to give you one Sunday where you know and can leave this room saying, I've got what it takes. So I want you to do me a favor. I did this with our men yesterday, and I want you to try it today. I want you to look at the person next to you and just say, you've got what it takes. Go ahead. I know some of you are saying, we're not allowed to talk in church, Brother Kyle. I mean, if we talk in church, I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, uh, some of y'all tried it, but some of y'all didn't, so I'm going to give you one more shot at it. It's okay. As a pastor, I'm giving you the ability to talk right now. Because I know what some of you are going to do. In a few minutes after that, you're going to start saying, where are we going to lunch? <laughs> don't act like you don't talk in church. So try it again. Look at the person next to you and just say, you've got what it takes. <laughs> now I want you to return the favor back and turn back to them and tell them the same thing. Go ahead. They don't believe you have what it takes. Did you hear the difference? Listen, I believe you have what it takes. And so I'm going to give you the option. You ready? You have what it takes. 
You possess that. You have everything that you need today to be on call and on duty before God. You have everything it takes today to reach out to your family. You have everything it takes today to change your workplaces. You have everything it takes today to change your school forever. You have what it takes. You got the secret stuff. You got the sauce, baby. I'm telling you today, you have what it takes. So I'm just going to encourage you today to start maybe, you know, warming up those rotator cuffs, you know, getting that neck ready and say, yeah, you better believe I've got what it takes. Today, I'm going to be on mission. Today, I'm going to give everything I got. Today, I'm going to boldly go where no one has gone before. Starship Enterprise. You have what it takes. And you know why I know you have what it takes? Because I know the reason that you're here today. You may think it was because you came because of certain reasons. That's how God works. You may have come today because we have the best student and children's ministry in town. I agree with that. Thanks, Mom. Okay, but, but that's not why you're here. You may have come because your life group leader, you love them. That's not why you're here. You may have come because it's the closest church to your house. That's not why you're here. You may have come because we let out in enough time that you can be everybody to first. That's not why you're here. You're here because God spoke something over you, and you may not even know it yet. But I just want you to know, before we get to the text, before you drew a breath, God formed you. He knew you. He made you. He made no one else on the planet like you. No one. You're unique. You're one of a kind. I heard someone say one of my best friends growing up was a twin. His name is David. He and Chad, his twin brother, are identical twins. And he's like, hey, listen, I'm not one of a kind. I'm two of a kind. And I said, oh, really? Hold up your thumbs. And if you hold up your thumb and you look at it, you're unique. No one has your thumbprint. No one on the planet except for you. How cool is it that the God that made the planet can work small enough that he can create a thumbprint like yours? You have what it takes. You know why you have what it takes? You were built by a holy God who loves you so much that he not only sent his son to die for you, that's big enough, but he also can call you and lead you into what he's doing. God invites you into his work. And it doesn't matter what, uh, what kind of positions you hold at work or if you're in school, you don't have to have a pastor title. In fact, can I just tell you some of the best ministers in this world don't hold a pastor title. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're teachers, they're garbage collection men, they are Walmart greeters. They're from every possible walk of life and every possible race. God creates people for his good so that he can show them how good he is when they participate with him. When you begin to do the work that God is doing, you will be filled with joy. He will use you to do mighty things. He'll use you to do amazing things. And can I just tell you today, you don't have to come to church and just try and worship. You can really worship today. So let me pray for us before we get to the text. And let's invite you into that uniquely 
uh, crafted by God world. You have what it takes. Let me pray for you. God, as we go to the text today, we believe that you have created us for your greatness. Each one of us possesses something that no one else on the planet does. And so God, lead us. God, guide us into the understanding that, that the enemy has taken what you have created as good and made it something that just isn't. But God, we declare today by the work of your power and your strength and your might and your grace and your glory and your holiness, we are so unique and we have what it takes in you. Thank you, God, for being an amazing, amazing father to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, if you want to join me in the text, we're going to be in Titus. Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 11. You know, as we look at this uh, text together today, I, I hope that in your mind, you'll just let that constantly be rolling over in your mind. You have what it takes. I have what it takes. I have what it takes. I have what it takes. If you get nothing else today, you should go away with saying, I have what it Okay, some of you are there. I have what it There you go. You're with me now. Here, let's go. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. I just want to stop there. This is the battle. This is the battle for those that have what it takes. You and I have salvation because of God, instructing us to do something, to deny the worldly lust to deny godlessness, but to live in righteousness in a godly way in the present age. When you have what it takes, when you hold on to God, when you concentrate on the things of God, when you spend time in Scripture, when you're praying daily, all of a sudden the battle that seems unwinnable becomes easily won. I heard uh, someone say one time that you can hit a golf ball thousands of yards. And I was like, oh, see, that's cute. Um, Brian can hit a long way, but he can't hit a thousand yards. Um, so I, I went, okay, really? And he said, yeah, you just hit off the top of something large, like a building or the Grand Canyon, because it goes thousands of yards then. You measure it down the face, down the front, and as far as it goes. And I went, oh, that's cute. But can I just tell you something today? Some of you are swinging away at this world, and you're not hitting from lofty places. You have what it takes. When we give our lives over to God, we hit from lofty places. We hit from places that people have never been from. We are called by God to live extraordinary lives, not the mundane. God didn't call you to the mundane. He didn't call you to the struggle. He called you to the victory. Remember that old song? Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory. Something like that. Um, <laughs> do y'all remember that song? We sing of victory, but how often do we miss it? How often do we just get so close, but not really? You know, I've wondered this because in the Christian life, you have everything it takes in Christ. Amen. Everything, every resource, every ability, every strength to beat the battles back. So why do we struggle? 
if we have everything it takes? Why do you struggle today when you possess everything that God has for you in Christ? Can I tell you why we struggle is lost in this very verses that we just read. It says the, the will of God, salvation instructs us to avoid the worthless things. But isn't that the thing we find ourselves pursuing the most? I mean, there's a whole world looking for where we go from here. And the Christians say, we go to God. We get close to him. We learn from him. We hit from lofty places. It goes on and it says in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope in appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to stop here and just talk to you for a second about the, the call of a Christian is that we look for a future day, don't we? Whether it comes at the end of our lives or Jesus returns through the clouds, we look forward to a day where we will be with him. That's what this verse is talking about. It says that while we wait, we have a job. And that's not just to wait. It's not that we walk out every day as Christians and go, I'm sorry, I can't do that today. I'm waiting for Jesus to come back and stand and look. If so, we're doing nothing. But it starts by telling us that we're to avoid the, the worthless things and to pursue good things, to live sensibly righteous lives in a godly way in the present age. We are to shine in a world that looks dark. This morning, I was telling April, I was watching the news, and they, they had someone from each party on there to talk bad about the other. You know, I don't know if you've watched it, but the one got on and said, well, that party is worthless. I mean, if they would just do something, we would all be happy. And they go, okay, now let's talk to this person. They said, well, that party is worthless. If they would just do something, we'd all be happy. And I began to think, hmm, is anybody there doing anything Listen, I also think you might have saw that um, there's some friends out there in the world that consider themselves Wiccan, and they've banded together to curse our president. Did y'all see that? Banded together, and they decided to pray a curse upon the leader of our country. And whether you like him or not, I'm not going to advocate from the stage that you should like anybody. It seems awful odd, right, when someone's deathly against someone like that. But I began to think about that for a second. Where is the church? Where are we? You see, our world is getting darker and darker, is it not? I mean, we've perverted the lines of culture. We've perverted the lines of masculinity and femininity. We have blurred so far that the whole world is starting to look very gray, isn't it? And shouldn't the church shine in the midst of that? No matter what happens, shouldn't the church be the thing that lights the world on fire? You have everything it takes to be that person. There was a man, and he was young. He lived in a troubling time. And he stood before some older men at a service, and he said, I'm going to change the world. And I said, young man, I don't think you realize what you're saying. It may cost you your life. He said, it's worth it. And they said, wait, wait, wait. I don't think you understand. This may cost you your family's life. I said, I understand. He said, I don't think you, you get it. People are going to ridicule you. They're going to call you names. They may kill you. And he said, okay, it's worth it. And they said, well, how are you going to change the world? 
So I'm going to show him Jesus. Now, we know this man because we celebrate his life every year. His name is Martin Luther King Jr. You see, his world was dark. His world was evil. All around him, people were being ridiculed and killed and spit upon and called all sorts of kind of names. And he shows up and he shows them Jesus. Have you read his speeches? I mean, he lived in a day where it was hard for him. It did cost him family. In fact, it cost him his life, didn't it? But he showed them Jesus. Where is the church? In a world where everybody in this room and in rooms across our city, from our friends in different churches, from different denominations that know Jesus is Lord, when we have what it takes, where is the church? Where are we? Can they hear us? This morning I heard a lot of hate really quick. And isn't it funny that this is how Satan wants to work us, isn't it? He's going to tell you today to be more political than Jesus. Satan's going to tell you that you need to be more angry than love. Satan's going to tell you that you just need to shut up. But see, Jesus gave the church to be the light of the world through him. If we are to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, if we are the light of the world, let's be the light. You have what it takes today. So go be that. You've got everything it takes. Verse 14 says, And he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us from himself a people of his own possession, eager to do good works, say these things, and encourage and rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you. We're to encourage one another. So I want to end this sermon. Everybody's like, amen. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> with a four few uh, key things that I want you to know. Number one, stay alert. Stay alert. Always stay alert. Be ready. How do you stay alert? I told the men this yesterday. Be ready because your name is already being called. Are you ready today? There is a lost and dying world looking for people that has everything it takes to help them and guide them and lead them towards Jesus. Are you alert? Will you be ready? Are you ready today to hear from God? The next, kill the distractions. Anything that would take you away from that extra time with God, kill it. It's not worth the time. The days are growing shorter. The older I get, the shorter days grow. Can y'all relate with that? It seems like every year is getting shorter and shorter, and time seems to be going faster and faster. I can remember taking home a little girl from the hospital, thinking how in the world would anybody let us take home a human life? This makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, literally going, how are we going to keep this thing alive? This makes no sense. We brought her home, and we're like, what do we do now? Like, they didn't give us a book. <laughs> I, I thought, like, I bought a TV that same year. They gave me a book. They sent me home with a kid, and they said, good luck. <laughs> that, that's crazy. And in that same time, now I look down, and that little girl I had has long legs and talks back. <laughs> when did that happen? I can remember as that little girl, our kids 
I bless April and the Lord because our kids are ten and a half months apart. We, we basically have twins. And I can remember getting pregnant with our son, and before we knew it, I, I told my wife, we're going to have a son. And she's like, oh, really? And I told her before, we're having a daughter. I was spot on both pregnancies. I'm like, oh, you know, um, inspired. Uh, but I can remember being at the hospital with a baby girl and a little man and going, we're doomed. Like, I, I, don't, I think God hates us. Like, this isn't going to work. Like, when do you sleep? Which was what April was thinking. She's like, oh, you sleep. You go to work. Hey, for you. Um, but, but I can remember sitting there holding two kids in and going, what are we going to do? And thinking, listen, I had lots of responsibilities. April had lots of things to do. But if we let things take our time, we wouldn't have got to love on our kids. And listen, we spent the time. But now I look back and I can think of all the times I wasted. All the times that I was like, man, I just want to go do my stuff. And now my kids are growing older. And it it really dawned on me, I'm going to have a kid in youth group next year. When did that happen? Brian sat up here one Sunday and he had those marbles. Y'all remember that? And he's walking through the marbles. He's like, this is how many marbles, how many weeks your kids have. This marble represents a week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go out those doors today and look at that wall. It talks all about where our kids' ministry and student ministries connect with parents. Go do that. Do yourself a favor. And so he's going down the marble list, and he gets to this section of marbles, and he goes, and now we cross over to these marbles, and that was my daughter. And I've never wanted to fire Brian until that day. I was like, he's done. As I watched Tears Away and Cat in the Cradle played. Anyways, um, I, I sat there and went, this is crazy. Where's the time going? I mean, when did we get here? That's why we got to kill the distraction because time is our enemy. Time will do a couple of things. It'll lie to you and tell you you have a lot of it. And two, it'll tell you that you need more of it when you can't. That's what time does. Time's a liar. How do we know this? Go to jury duty. You go to jury duty and you sit in that room. It seems like minutes become hours, right? You're sitting there like, I just want to get out of here. I, I don't want to be here. And it just seems like the time will not go by. And then you go home and you watch one of your favorite TV shows and an hour goes by in seconds, doesn't it? Time will lie to you. That's why we got to kill distraction. The next is this, do work. Be significant in your life. You have everything it takes Everything it takes. So do work. Do work. When you wake up in the morning, get ready. Man, you've already said you're alert. You're already ready to kill distractions. So do significant work. Spend time into people's lives. Invest in them. Leave them memories. I brought those memories with me today. They're significant to me. They each mean something in my life. And they may have seemed small at the minute, but they mean something to me. They speak something to me. And so do the work. Be significant for someone. Spend the time. Fill the gap. And here's the last. Finish well. Finish well. You have everything it takes today to do all of these things. And finishing well is the call of everybody in this room. Finish well. Do work until there's a period. And when there's a period, start a new paragraph. Finish well. Because you have everything it takes today. You have been invested in. You have what it takes. 
Because of Jesus, you can do impossible things. He gives you energy when there isn't any. He allows you to keep going when no one else will. You have everything it takes today. So finish well. You know, I've thought a lot about the significance of these moments on Sunday mornings with you. I pray for them. I ask that God would do something in your life in these moments together because they're short. The reality is this, that church members as a whole, you know, the time between life group and church time is about it for most people every week. So I think it's significant that you're in this room. It means something. So I want to leave you with this. You have everything it takes in Christ. Do you know him? My prayer is this, that you wouldn't leave this room without answering one question. Do I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Can you answer that question? Yes. Because I want to give you a, a real sobering moment right quick. You may have everything it takes, but the Lord apportions the length of a person's life. He knows the day you're born and the day you'll die. And he doesn't extend time because he just loves you. He loves you enough to give you a period to the end of your life sentence. Do you know him today? Because there's not certainty in anything, is there? We're not given the certainty that we'll make it home today or we'll walk out of this room. So can you answer the question, do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? If you can say yes, praise God. But if you can't, my prayer is that this morning you'll do me a favor. Here in a minute, Brian's going to be here, Dale's going to be here, I'm going to be here. We want you to know the answer to that question. We want it to be yes. So if you can't say yes today, I want you to come talk to one of us three guys and just say, I can't answer that question, yes. You don't have to have fancy answers. You don't have to know a lot of Bible. You don't have to look the part today. I just want you to be real. You have everything it takes in Christ, but if you're not in Christ, you don't. So I want you to know that you can have everything it takes today in him. Are you ready to give him your everything? Let's pray. Father in heaven, that's what we're asking, God. We're asking that you'd speak over our lives, God, that you would lead us and guide us, Lord. We have everything it takes in this world to be great. But we only have that in you, so God, lead us. Lead us, Father, in this time, Lord. I ask over my friends, God, that couldn't answer yes to that question, that today you would have them to be bold and to come ask a question, how can I say yes? So God, lead us in this time. Bring us close because of your spirit today. Lord, lead us out as people who have everything it takes. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and for his sake, and the church said, amen.